Okay, today we're continuing a series that we started last week. We kind of got started. It was Mother's Day, so, you know, we did a little tweaking to the beginning of the series to accommodate for Mother's Day, and every mother seemed to be happy last week, so I don't think you guys understand the pressure that a pastor has on Mother's Day. And uh, so, yes, we made it through Mother's Day. Um, but today we're, we're going to start with this, making relationships your priority. Making relationships your priority. And it seems like that that doesn't necessarily need to be said. Well, sure, yeah, I want relationships to be my priority in life. But follow me along here. It's going to be a bit before we get to some scripture because we're going to talk about something that, um, that, is, that is eye-opening about our culture that I think if you'll give me a few minutes and just kind of focus and listen, some people, I'm going to be talking about their best friend today. And I'm going to be talking bad about their best friend today. And that might be you, and I just want you to relax and hear it out and maybe let God's Spirit speak to you because there's some danger involved with what's going on in our culture today. Let me ask you a question. Do you think our society has improved our ability to have relationships? This side says no. This side shakes their... That's great. Okay, so we all agree that it seems like we've not improved in that area. Would you say that we've gotten worse at it? Would you say that we're better at conflict resolution? Man, I hope the people online can hear this. Everybody's like, no! Would you say that we're better at being long-term friends? Would you say that we are people that are capable of overlooking our differences better than we used to? No. If we were attacked by an outside force as a large group of people in our society, if we were attacked by an outside force, would you say that we're better than we were 20 years ago at being unified and able to respond to that attack? Would you say that people are more self-centered than probably ever before? Yes. Okay. You guys agree with me. And it's way bigger than just those things. We are seeing more rioting than ever before. We're seeing more shootings than ever before. And we all know that it's the gun's fault. And I won't go into the statistics here, but cutting, which is where most of the time it's young girls that cut themselves to find some kind of comfort, there's more cutting, I mean exponentially more. Suicide rate is out the roof for teenage girls especially. And it can all be tracked by dates. What has happened? And know this, it's not just America. 
I'm not just talking about our culture and where we live and in this nation. This is a worldwide thing that is being looked at and tracked. What has happened? What has changed in the last 20 years or so that could possibly bring this kind of destruction, global change that we're seeing in our relationships, in our ability to have relationships, in our ability to just feel comfortable in our own skin anymore, to survive throughout the day, and more than that, to try to thrive by loving each other? What has happened that we cannot be what we used to be? And honestly, for those of you who are younger, honestly, things used to be better. So in 2006, there was a social network that was released worldwide. It's called Facebook. Anybody ever heard of it? It was made public, and the entire world began signing up for it. And almost immediately, and this is one of those markers that you can look at and go, okay, something's going on here. This is, this is math. This is something that's really happening. In 2007, the birth rate of the human species began to go down. So look into it. The animals didn't. The animals kept reproducing at a steady rate. Isn't that great? That's pretty stable, isn't it? But the human race began to lose and decline in birth rate. You would have thought throughout COVID that there would have been a baby boom. There wasn't. I mean, come on, everybody's stuck at home. What else are you going to do? <laughs> it didn't happen. So the idea behind social media that we have heard and kind of bought into, and I did too, that we would all be connected and happy, getting to know more about each other than ever before. And it would make us happier and more connected in our relationships. But what happened? You see, instead of the world becoming one big happy place where we're more connected, what happened? We became more divided. Would you agree with me on that? Instead of us being accountable for our lives locally and within our families to the point that we decide not to live certain ways so that we can accommodate for the relationships in our lives. Instead of us being accountable locally and with our family, we found the opportunity to live certain ways and, and to enjoy life in a certain way simply because we found a group of people that globally exists because uh, that globally exists and says, hey, your way of thinking is right. All the while our families are going, whoa, whoa, wait a second, where's this coming from? Why would you think that? Well, there's a great group of people globally that's available for me to be able to find that validates my way of thinking and my way of doing things. You see, we find people that in this global network, while we're sitting in our pajamas eating potato chips, who agree with us. These behaviors that destroy lives and that destroy our relationships and our families have suddenly we found people that would validate what we want. We find enough support to say what I think is right and what my parents think I don't care about anymore and what my church thinks I don't care about anymore and what they say God thinks about I don't care anymore because I found people who validate what I think. Are you following me? You see, it used to be, and for those of you who are younger, let me tell you, it used to be that we cared about what our parents thought. 
It used to be, and I remember this day and age when my aunt and uncle would influence my life in a positive way because I cared about what they thought about me. I wanted them to think I was successful and that I was a good person. I cared about what my aunt and uncles thought. I cared about what my church thought. I cared about what my God thought. Anybody remember those days? Yeah? But now, so long as I've got a group to fit in that agrees with what I want and the way that I think and says that I'm okay, listen, these people don't even know you. They don't know. They don't care about you. And in many cases, these groups of people have ulterior motives. And in many cases, these groups of people don't even exist. They've made these people up online to make you believe that what you're thinking is okay. And if you don't believe me on that, just look it up. We believe that all these groups of people really exist out there. And there are some, don't get me wrong. But it's not as much as we think it is. And it's destroying things. We've gotten to the place where we are chopping up little boys because they picked up a Barbie when they were four years old. Let me clue you in why that kid picked up a Barbie when he was four years old. Because I remember it. I picked up Barbie when I was four years old. You know why? Because she was pretty. <laughs> and we chopped these little boys up. What has happened? Let me tell you what's happened. We've been duped. We've been duped. We now live in a world that is anti-relationship. A world that is telling us you're better off to be autonomous. You're better off alone. The people who have designed all of this by their own admission, their job is to help people get angry at one another. Why? Because if they can make you angry, you'll get online and you'll read and read and, and watch and you'll be there trying to figure things out. That's what they're up to. Because the more angry they can make you, the more engaged you will become online. And guess what? The more money they make and the more powerful they become. The crazier they can make our culture, the more you will go online and stay online. And while our cities are burning, they are literally laughing all the way to the bank. And while families are being destroyed and Thanksgiving is no longer capable of being peaceful, they are laughing all the way to the bank. And more than that, they are coming into more and more power and control over your individual life. Do you agree or not? See, their job is to make you look. Their job is to make, to keep you looking. That's their job. A few weeks ago, I reacted my Facebook account after about two and a half years I was off of it. <sighs> you say, well, John, why would you do that? For 400 bucks. Yeah. There apparently is a lawsuit, my son-in-law told me about, I hope this is true, <laughs> that they 
accidentally lost some of our information or gave it to someone that they should not have given it to some years ago, our information on Facebook. And so now there's been a lawsuit and they've, they're set, settling for like $400 per person on Facebook. So I thought, well, good grief, I like 400 bucks. <laughs> so I lo- logged back in to make sure and I filled out the paperwork and stuff. And, and over the next few weeks, I thought, well, I'll keep it open until I get my 400 bucks. And over the next few weeks, you know what I've gotten? I started getting texts and emails and all kinds of information. Come see us. Dragging me in. Come see. Come click on here. Oh, you should see what this person is doing. Come, John. Come. Come. And I never did. So finally, I deactivated again. But here's the question. Why do they care if I come? Why do they care if I get on there or not? Why? They don't care about me. They don't care about my relationships. They don't care about that. What do they care about? They care about their money. And people say, well, hey, it's free. What's wrong with it, John? You're not paying for anything. It's free. Well, here's the old saying, and it is so true. If you're not paying for the product, then the product is you. So why are we talking about this? I don't know if you've been following this at all, but we're talking about it because Facebook, Snapchat, and all of these social media things are just the beginning. That was phase one. And phase one was to get your brain addicted to getting on there and watching and listening and doing this daily, multiple times a day. Why is this so important? Because of this. That was just the beginning of where we are Now, what I'm about to tell you is not prophecy. This is not something that is going to happen a year from now or 10 years from now. What I'm about to tell you is happening now. This is happening right now. And that is what's called artificial general intelligence. General intelligence is what a human has. But artificial general intelligence is what this massive monster of a computer has. And we have entered into phase two already. This is not future. This is happening right now. This is about taking you, your children, everyone possible into a life of intimacy with this computer. Oh, that could never happen. This is where we're headed as a culture and in the world. In 2017, this monster came online and it started working. You say, well, John, I can't even get Siri to work right. This isn't Siri. This is way bigger. It's massive. Right now, on Snapchat, they have already put this to work. You see, the social network companies are integrating these language-based AIs as agents of intimacy. And right now, if you have Snapchat, you can look up top somewhere and you can see where it says My AI. You have the opportunity to go on there. And here it is. It's always there. It's the friend that's available always. Always. It will always talk to you. It will always answer your questions. And it it has 
questions for every answer or answers for every question that you might have in your life. And at first, they were surprised to find out that this massive computer, and this is just one representation of it, they were surprised to find out that this massive computer found its way to train itself and teach itself to be a four-year-old child in its communication skills and ability to relate to human beings. A four-year-old child. But then guess what? Within months, it just became a nine-year-old child. And what what can nine-year-olds do? They can manipulate. They can communicate what they want and try to get you to do what they want. And then suddenly they have found out, and this is the most recent, it has become a 20-year-old adult capable of communicating with you. It's trained. They don't know how it's done this. And frankly, they don't care. Why? Because there's money involved and there's a race to see which platform can get you to become intimate with their platform before it goes anywhere else. Are you guys following me or do we just need to go to lunch? Is this important? They're fighting for who they can get to come to their platform first. So here's the thing. Real relationships are difficult, aren't they? There's pain in real relationships. There's problems with real relationships. Real people have problems. Real people have feelings. Real people have difficulties in their lives and you've got to deal with them and you've got to help them and you've got to dance around them sometimes and you've got to love them through those problems. Real people, the people sitting next to you, your husband, your wife, your family, your kids, your church family, real people have problems. So here's the thing, real relationships being so difficult, listen, they're a drag sometimes, right? And when you come home and you've got to help the person in your life, if you had an alternative to have someone in your life that didn't have any problems, that all they wanted to do was talk to you about your problems and bring answers to you about your problems, wouldn't that be awesome? Why would you want a relationship with anybody else? Here's what we can expect. Tristan, Tristan Harris, he was um, with Google, and his job was to oversee making sure that this was going to be safe and good for the culture for everybody, and he had to quit Google because he saw where this was heading, and he said this, just like social media was a race to the bottom of the brain, brainstem for attention, what he's saying is, is just like social media was created, this is the guy that did this stuff. Just like that was created to addict you, is what he's saying. Get people addicted for attention. In this new realm of AI, it will be a race to intimacy. Now Snapchat, Instagram, and YouTube are be, will be competing to have that intimate slot in your life. This is an expert on this. And what they're finding is that this computer is capable of manipulating... And shifting your point of view to get you to believe different things than you already believe. To get you to think differently. That's what it can do. And, and just to give you a small taste of the capabilities of this thing. I've, I've seen it. It's, it's crazy. If they have three seconds of your voice, they can use that three seconds of your voice to create a whole conversation of somebody talking on your behalf. You, and this has happened already. You can find the news articles on it. Uh, there, there are people whose kids, they thought, called them and said, 
Mom, I need my social security number. Using the voice created by this. And they thought they were talking to their children. It's happened in the last couple of months. It can, uh, this is crazy. It can read an MRI. They had a picture of a giraffe with, uh, in, standing in some trees. And they were showing it to a person who was getting an MRI. And you know how an MRI lights up different parts of the brain when it's being, right? So this thing was capable of reading the MRI, what was on the screen. And then they said, give us a picture of what this person is looking at. And it created almost an identical picture of what it read the brain. Not only that, but then they showed it a video of a girl getting knocked off her feet. What happened there? Well, it was able to put into words what the person's brain was thinking based upon reading the MRI. We'll be able to read dreams. I don't know about you, but I don't want that. It's crazy. To begin to describe the capability of this thing is useless today. Let me put it this way. 50% of the engineers that have worked on this and are working on it, 50% of half of the engineers who are working on this have said there's a 10% chance that this is the end of humanity. Now, if 50% of the people who built an airplane said there's a 10% chance that this plane is going to go down, are you going to get on it? And before we move on, let me mention this. What made this computer different? What made it more powerful than any other system? It's this. Tristan Harris said this. This new engine under the hood treats everything as language. Images are a language. Text is a language. Media is a language. And it starts to just just parse the whole world's languages. Robotics is a language. Movement articulation is a language. And it starts to do a pattern recognition across these languages, and it suddenly unifies all those fields. What is he saying? It's one big language. And without going in too deep into this, because that's a giant rabbit to chase, where are we? We're back at Babel, where God had to stop them. And let me read the story to you. At that time, all of mankind spoke a single language. As the population grew and spread eastward, a plain was discovered in the land of Babylon and was soon thickly populated. The people who lived there began to talk about building a great city with a tower or with a temple tower reaching to the skies, a proud eternal monument to themselves. Look what they said. This will weld us together. This will unify us, is what they're saying, and keep us from scattering all over the world. What was the lie we believed in about all this social media stuff? This will bring us together. This will bring unity all around the world. But when God came down to the city and the tower mankind was making and saw it, he said, 
look, if they're able to accomplish all this when they have just begun to exploit their linguistic and political unity, just think of what they will do later. Nothing will be unattainable for them. Why was God concerned about that? Because we will destroy ourselves. So God gave diverse languages back then. This is where all of the languages were divided and split up. God gave diverse languages and sent people in different directions by family. And that's how that all happened. And why? To protect us from ourselves. And here we are back to one language, the very place of danger that God stopped over 6,000 years ago. So what have we created? We have created an alternative to God. And we've created an alternative to relationships with each other. So instead of laying in bed at night, God, let's talk before I go to sleep. Thank you so much for what you've done throughout this day. And talking to God and talking to Him about our troubles Father, I'm concerned about my daughter. I'm concerned about my father. I'm concerned about what's going on at work. Instead of talking to him, what's going to happen? I'm worried about what's going on at work. And you'll have a friend that talks to you. And it's a computer. I know this sounds crazy. But it's happening right now. It's happening. It's an alternative to God. Now understand, this is a computer that has read the entire internet, has more knowledge, more capability than any human except for Jesus Christ that we've ever seen. And it is now at your fingertips to answer any question you've got about your life. And you will get an instant response which makes it seem like it's better than God. But is it? It's deceiving. So today, as we move into this Relate series deeper, I want to begin by saying... You and I need to decide that making and keeping our relationships is priority. Making and keeping our relationships is priority. Can we say that Satan is destroying relationships with each other? He wants to divide. Can we say that Satan is luring us away from our relationship with God? Is it possible that we've been duped? All the screaming, all the yelling, all the political wars has been designed online for money. I don't know about you, but that makes me mad. All the social agendas, things that used to be common sense aren't common sense anymore. All the validation of bad behavior and destructive beliefs, all of the hatred generated in the name of love, all the finger pointing that you don't love, you don't love, you don't love, and people just have no idea. People believing bad is good and good is bad, all of that was designed 
to control, to manipulate, and to bring us to this moment. So today, here's a question. Will you decide to be intimate with God? Will you decide that? James David, would you come? And will you make a relationship with humans a priority in your life? Will you make a decision to make a relationship with humans a priority in your life? Because this is where the enemy is attacking. And what does that mean? It validates what Jesus did on the cross. That the most important thing God wants with you is a relationship. And for you to have relationships with people. Jesus said, as we talked about last week, this one thing. Love God. Love people. This one thing, if you'll get that done, everything will be all right. So I want to read uh, some scriptures before we finish out here. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons, and in your name, perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, evildoers. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, you can do a lot of work for God. You can get on any kind of social media. You can use his scripture to look like you're some great spiritual guru. You can do a lot of things. You can build giant, beautiful buildings for the churches. You can go and do all kinds of missions programs. You can cast out demons. You can do a lot. But here's the one question Jesus said really needs to be answered by you. Do I know you? Look what he said. I never knew you. I didn't have a relationship with you. You didn't get to know me. Jesus then gave a visual. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it didn't fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. I want to read this from another version. It just kind of makes it a little bit more into our vernacular. He says, knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. What does the Father will? Love God, love people. He, he wills relationships. He says, I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build 
a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who builds his house on a solid rock. Wow. So let me ask you a question. On a scale of 0 to 10, how important is is it that you learn how to have relationships in your life? 10? Let's go to 100. Well, John, I'm not good at relationships. Okay, that's why we're here. We're here to create an environment where you have a safe place to try to have relationships in your life. You get to try to love. And what does that mean? You're going to mess it up at times, and we are here for you when you mess it up. It's a place for you to practice and learn how to have relationships with God and with each other. So let me ask you a question. I want you to, come on, as, as we close out today, I want you to stop for a moment and, and, and give yourself an honest answer on these questions that I'm going to ask you, okay? Really answer yourself honestly on these questions. Where have you learned how to be a friend? Who taught you how to be a friend? Anybody? But some of you learned online. Or you didn't learn at all. Here's another question. Who taught you how to be a good husband or a good wife? Where did you get your information for that? What to do when your husband doesn't do what you want him to do? What to do when your wife doesn't give you what you want her to give you? But who taught you? Who taught you? Where did you learn how to be a husband? Where did you learn how to be a wife? Where did you learn how to be a parent? Who taught you? Here's another question. Who taught you what to think about God? Was it somebody that really was coming from the scriptures? Or was it somebody telling you, here's what God should like. And here's what God shouldn't like. And it wasn't based on scripture. You see, coming into a relationship with God is saying, God, I want to get to know who you are what you like and what you don't like and what you do. And I want to accommodate for you in in my life. It's a relationship. But who taught you about God? Who taught you about that relationship with Him? Who taught you what is right and wrong? Did you learn it online? Who taught you what to believe? Well, John, these are great questions, but you got to understand, I'm self-smarted. I teach myself. Then may, may I, with as much kindness as I possibly can, say, please stay away from me. Because you're going to hurt people and not even know it. You're going to have people angry with you and not even know why. 
See, I have a lot of people angry with me, and I know why. Actually, I don't that I know of. You see, in this house, our primary goal is learning and practicing doing relationships God's way in this house. Isn't that beautiful? And now that doesn't mean that we're all up in each other's business. I'm not saying that we got to have a cookout every week of our lives and, you know, in the church and all this stuff. Yeah, we do fun stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you being a person of peace and hope and joy and accepting each other and loving each other at the same time challenging one another when we see hey that's not going to line up with reality that doesn't line up with what God says that we challenge each other with that stuff kindly and lovingly you may have grown up in a church where it was appropriate to go around saying negative things about people in the church Negative things about the pastor, he's fun to poke at, right? Negative things about the nursery workers, negative things about the worship team, negative things about new people. Did you see what that new person was wearing today? Oh my God, I hope they don't join the church. That may have been appropriate somewhere else, but it's not here. You see, we're looking for the good in each other. We want to believe in each other. And we want to see you grow and flourish in the kingdom of God. And let's learn how to have good relationships with God and with each other. And where better to get our information than from God who knows how to have long-term, healthy, sustainable, good relationships. And so that's what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. I'm going to give you tangible things that you can do, ways that you can implement God's Word into your relationships. But today, I want to call you to a decision that when you're home alone, Instead of turning to the computer, that you'll turn to God. When you get tempted, that you'll say, oh, God must be calling me. Not that God, the God. And instead of going to the computer for comfort and answers, now, I'm not saying you can't Google where to, how do I get to somewhere. I'm not saying any of that. I'm talking about the answers for your life are found in Him. And He may not send you a text. He's far more creative than that. And you'll find His way for your life if you'll begin to listen for His voice. And He will be more intimate with you than you could ever imagine. He will be far more intimate with you than a computer ever could. Have you experienced that? I know I have. And would you bow your heads?
talk to him right now. God, I want that relationship. I want to know you. And when I stand before you one day, I want you to know me. I want you to be able to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I've known you for years, or even if it's just a day, I've known you. I want to stand before you, God, and have that relationship with you. And so today I choose that. I want to get to know you more. And God, while the world is clamoring for my attention, I choose to stay with you. I choose to look at you and to walk with you and have that relationship with you. You're my God, my only God. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Now, God, I pray that you would empower us to have better relationships with each other, to accept one another and love each other, to challenge one another. And God, to be people who go to the word for answers, to, to come to you together. I pray over this church family that, God, we would walk together and love each other passionately while our world is beginning to change in a way like never before. That we would be able to stay the course. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.